How's the car? The new car is very exciting. Uh, yeah, it uh, it was a fast turnaround. Yeah. I'll stop talking in an accent because it. <laughs> we used to be able to do this, <laughs> but with my Invisalign, uh, it like cuts my teeth in a funny way when I try to talk in accents and I can't do it anymore, and it makes me sad. <laughs> Because I liked our banter in accents that we were doing. It like hurts, so I don't do it as much. <laughs> no, the car's good. It's my first like big girl purchase. Like I had a car before, but it was very much like a baby car that I got for way cheap from, you know, dad's family friend. But the new car's great. I'm very excited about it. It was it was time. Cheryl, my old car, was very much about to die. We had several incidents with her where she almost died on me and I was like, you know, I should get a new car before she actually dies and then I am stuck carless. That would be bad. The new car is great. She's a Prius. She's a hybrid. We ended up getting a 2018 model, which was a little more expensive than I had hoped for. I was planning on getting like a 2013 to 2015 for a lot cheaper. But then I saw this 2018 and it was really nice and it was a little higher than what I wanted. But I was like, it'll last longer. It'll be worth it. I don't know. But I do... I did learn a lot about purchasing cars in the process of this. Actually, on the on the note of relationships and stuff, highly recommend having platonic friends who look intimidating to pretend to be your partner when you go to car dealerships. So I have a friend, Mitch, who is a very intimidating, like six foot five built dude. And I had him come with me to the car dealership just to like intimidate the dealer. And he probably actually did get me an extra like $200 minimum because I, I negotiated the heck out of this car. Like I got a lot more money for my Ford to trade in than it was worth. And I think a lot of why I was able to negotiate was because Mitch was standing next to me being really intimidating. And he did his job great. Like he was an excellent feminist fake husband because there were several times where the car dealer would direct a question toward him and he would point at me and be like, she's the boss. And he would just come back to me. And I was like, good, good fake feminist husband. (laughs) So having platonic friends to play your fake husband. It's great because, I mean, car dealerships, mechanics, everything in the car industry is notoriously sexist. Like, they've done studies that have shown, like, women just get screwed in terms of money on everything related to cars. So having men come along with you actually does. I'm wondering if my more masculine look would help me at all in that. Because maybe, like, ah, here's a butch lesbian. I'm sure she knows something about cars, which is hilarious (laughs) because I know nothing about cars. I never intend to. Maybe. (laughs) Could help you. I don't know. I'm Jen. I'm Liz. And we're Harmless Harlots. What does that mean? To us, it means being open to having more than one relationship, however you define it, as long as everyone gives fully informed, enthusiastic consent. It's also an homage to our Polly Bible, The Ethical Slut, which we recommend if you want to learn more. We are enthusiasts, not experts in this field. So if you want to learn and explore along with us, we give you our knowing, enthusiastic consent to come along. Speaking of labels, I was trying to write just my thoughts on being demisexual, and I think I had a breakthrough. In my research on things, I came across a term, and I think it is pronounced 
scoliosexual, which kind I of sounds this like in your outline for today, and I was like, "What is this? It's being really is this a band like Skrillex?" <laughs> <laughs> no, so the term scoliosexual, which I've this isn't the article that I found it, in, but I just googled it again because. Okay, so this is what it says. Scoliosexual is a relatively new term that refers to people who are attracted to people who are transgender or non-binary. So many episodes ago when I was like, I'm really into trans people because they're like, you know, very authentic and like gender fluidity, which I love. We now have a term for it, scoliosexual. So that's fun. But so this is the breakthrough I had in my demisexual thinkings. So like the term when you look up demisexual, like the definition is um, you only have sexual attraction after forming an emotional bond. And I do think I identify with that to some extent, but I think a more appropriate term, which I tried to see if one already exists and I couldn't, but maybe I'm just Googling wrong. But so I invented a term. But so essentially what I think is defines it is that I am sexually attracted to personality. And it doesn't necessarily, that doesn't necessarily mean that I have to have a bond with that person, but like how people like look at someone is like, oh, they're hot. Like I'd bang them. I'm like, Oh, I like that person's personality. I would bang them. So I don't. There was a TikTok I sent Rick the other week that was like, the person who sent you this wants you to know you have a big, juicy, girthy personality. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's real for you. That's a real thing for you is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And I always thought, I don't know. I always thought like, oh, I'm just pretending to be not shallow. But like. I don't know. I really think it is. Cause like, I always think about like my friend, Sarah and I, she went through a huge Taylor Lautner phase and like, I can recognize that the man is attractive. I just like, I don't know. It kind of stops there for me. It's like, yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> sure. I suppose like, yes, I can well, yeah. objectively rate him, but uh. <laughs> when it makes sense. Cause I think I'm kind of on that spectrum too. Cause like we were talking about how I, it's not as extreme for me as I think it is for you, but like I definitely to an extent after getting to know someone, if I like their personality, will find them more physically attractive. And if I don't like their personality, I find them less physically attractive. Yeah. But so I, mean, I think that is also an aspect. Of yeah. But the thing with demisexuality is they all, they always emphasize like, Oh, you need to have a bond with this person. And like, that's not necessarily true because like, like, like I think I can have celebrity crushes, but it's much more of like, I really like this person's vibe than like, I like how they look. So it's kind of like, like the definition of pansexual is like attraction regardless of gender. And so my term that I am inventing is going to be attraction regardless of like physical appearance. Uh And the term I have two, I have two terms. One makes more sense, but the other one I like more. So the first one that makes more sense is per sexual because it's like personality, sexual, per sexual, the second one, which I, I think is fun, but is not necessarily the most descriptive, is chaos sexual. Fuck that in your outline. <laughs> which I think I'm My just. Sexuality is chaos. 
chaos. I'm attracted to chaos. Exactly. I am. I'm allowing anybody who wants to use this term to have it. I just love it. Chaos sexual, which it kind of looks like chow sexual when you read it, but it's pronounced chaos sexual. So yes, those are the discoverings and breakthroughs that I had based on demisexuality. Next on your outline, sorry to totally pivot, but I just saw (laughs) cheating on Leah question mark. Yeah. So yes, there's a lot to unpack there. So I'll try to move chronologically. So essentially I I'm done with classes and I was up on campus and I ran into a friend and they were like, Oh, like we should hang out because we have an all semester. And I was like, yeah, cool. So we were texting and I was like, oh yeah, you can like, I can come up there or you can totally come down here if you want. And she was like, okay, I'll come down there. (laughs) So she did. And this is all my fault. And I recognize that. But so Leah and I have been very, very conscientious about not about like, you know, being COVID safe and like wearing masks and blah, blah, blah. Well, but you're also vaccinated though, aren't you? No, we only have the first shot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So she came over and then she like, so she's on campus and what, what my, my, my other friends that I went and I visited there, they also like, when I went to visit them, they like didn't keep their masks on while we were inside. So I just kind of followed their lead, which Leah was also mad about. So Taylor came over and she like took her mask off. And so I think the thing is, is that on campus, like they get tested like every couple of days And I think right now per campus guidelines, they are like, if you are in your room, then you can have masks off. So I think that's just kind of what she was operating on. However, the agreement that Leah and I had kind of come to beforehand was like, you know, if we're indoors with people, then we should keep our masks on just because we're not vaccinated yet. Even people who are vaccinated can like pass off the virus um, two people. So well, I think that's less true now. They've been doing more studies and they don't think that's as accurate, but they, they yeah. were cautious so, of that in the beginning. But yeah. Yeah. So that's another factor. So like she took her mask off and like Leah and I were both like, oh, and as the person who was the friend, it should have been my job to be like, oh, actually, could you like keep your mask on to like, because like also we're just more comfortable more that way. Because Leah's not the kind of person who can do well, that. Neither of us are very assertive. That's so fair. <laughs> so so there's that aspect. And then when she took it off, I was like, well, like I like she's not a re- like it's like she's not a Republican, and like I trust <laughs> that like she cares about my safety. So if she's doing this, then she obviously thinks it is safe to do. But like as you like just pointed out, like the recommendations for CDC are always changing, and like I don't know what's safe anymore, and like. Would it have been a big deal to be like, oh, like, could you keep your mask on? No, but like, I hate conflict. And like, in my mind, I was like, I don't know. I was like, I'm, I mean, I trust her. Like if she's taking her mask off, she must think it's safe. But anyway, so I didn't, so I didn't ask her to put her mask back on. And so I just took my mask off. And so we just hung out for the night. And so Leah was very mad about this. And so we kind of had a fight about that. And the, one of the reasons why she she was uh, especially mad was because her friend Chuck, who lives near us, whenever he came over, I would always make him wear a mask and we wore masks around him because he lived in an Airbnb and he had two random roommates. So he wasn't on campus. And so he just got tested once a week like us. And he lived with two randos who like, I didn't know at all. So I was like, yeah, when he comes over, when we go, like we should wear masks. And so when my friend came over and then took off her mask and I was like, uh, so and then Leah was like you literally made Chuck wear a mask all semester and I was like I know I was in an uncomfortable (laughs) situation and I cracked and I faltered (laughs) and so we had 
a, a mild fight about that. And so the reason why on the outline it says cheating on Leah is I was because, gonna say that's not cheating. Well, so here's the thing. So I felt awful. A because like I was like, if we do actually get COVID from this, like I will just kill myself. Like I would like if I got COVID, <laughs> if I got COVID, I'd be like, yeah, I'm a fucking idiot. But if like Leah got COVID, then I would feel like so fucking terrible. <laughs> and so I don't know the reason why I put cheating on Leah is because I feel like the definition the polyamorous definition of cheating is like break you like this is a agreement and you broke yeah. it yeah yeah, yeah, I can see yeah. That. so like I don't know like I felt so bad and I was like I don't deserve Leah I'm a terrible person she deserves someone better than me <laughs> I'm <bear>. awful <laughs> I went into quite a spiral and so I don't know that's just why I put it because I was like this must be how people feel like like, obviously not everyone. Like, some people are dicks. But, like, this must be how people feel when they, like, cheat on people because, like, this fucking sucks. And it's, like, I feel terrible. And now, like, I feel like there's a wall between us that I have created. And I was probably overly dramatic, but she was upset. So that's why I put that. But it's also funny because um, while Taylor was over, we, like, were painting because we have some art stuff and she's a really good artist and we were like drinking a little bit and we were just like sitting and we had like music on we were just sitting on the couch and then like at one point she looks at me and she's like are you gonna go the whole night without making a move on me and my brain was like compute what so there were several factors going on at this point obviously a covid and i had already broken leah nice thing about not wearing masks two i was slightly tipsy because we had been drinking three like i'm very terrible in these situations um so yeah so she was she was obviously very good about it and like I we're still friends and she's a very good person. So like, I, it wasn't like, I felt like she was pressuring me and she made that very clear. She was like, if you want to just vibe, it's chill. But also I was getting kind of flirting vibes from you. And I was like, yeah, that's a problem. I have, with, Which, which it's also complicated by the fact that like, I think I had had kind of a crush on her because we met like sophomore year before Jen discovered her queerness. And we always, I don't know, we always had had kind of that vibe, but by the time I got back to campus and was queer, we got kicked off campus. So just unfortunate things. And also like when she said it, I was like, Leah and I have not talked about like our boundaries essentially at this point because we never thought it was going to be relevant because we are in quarantine. Right. So because of all those things, I was like, due to factors unrelated to you, I think we should just vibe tonight, but know that I am like, and have been attracted to you and I do <laughs> respect you. And under different circumstances, this would be different. So it was funny because like, that happened. And like, I didn't do anything, honestly, just because of COVID, also because Leah and I have not discussed that kind of boundaries. So that wasn't the part that felt cheating to me. The part that felt cheating to me was when I didn't wear a mask because we'd previously agreed upon that. So that's really funny. (laughs) (laughs) That is really funny. Yeah, I was talking to um, Jackie the other day, because Jackie's mom, shout out to Jackie's mom, who we love. uh, Jackie's mom was talking about how I gave Jackie's mom the ethical slut. And she was talking about how she was an ethical slut growing up and just didn't really know it. And Jackie was like, you can't be an ethical slut and not know it. Because to be an ethical slut, you have to like have all these like contracts and explicit agreements. And Jackie's mom and me were kind of on the opposite end where I was like, well, I think as long as you're not breaking contracts that you've made, you're being ethical. Like you don't explicitly have to say to somebody, hey, we're polyamorous. 
as long as you haven't said to that person, hey, we're monogamous, and then go out and not be monogamous, like, that's unethical. But if you're not doing that, you're still being ethical. Like, just because you're not having explicit conversations about being polyamorous doesn't mean you're unethical, per se. Like, in my mind, and, and that's part of relationship anarchy, right, is that nothing that the two of you have not agreed upon is part of the contract. So if we have not said, like, hey, we're monogamous then I think it's perfectly ethical to go out and be with other people. Now, is it better to have that conversation explicitly first? Absolutely, definitely, for sure. That is more ethical if you have the conversation first. But I still don't think it's unethical to be polyamorous as long as you have not had an explicit conversation that we are monogamous. Yeah, and that's why communication is just so important. But it really is just like, We've kissed once. Do we need to have a 30 hour long conversation now about all of our boundaries? Yeah, right, I feel, I feel right. like everybody should have like a business card, but like <laughs> your relationship business card. That's like, these are my boundaries. This is what doing these things with me means to me. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. On the note of cheating. So I have never cheated on a partner because I haven't had many monogamous partners on which to cheat but there was one time when I did knowingly help someone cheat mm. but it was kind of a weird so it was in high school while I was being abused and we were going on senior trip and on senior trip the guy who was abusing me obviously great opportunity for him to abuse me further because there was minimal adult supervision it was a bunch of kids like basically alone bad time for me however that guy had a friend who he respect was like kind of more of an like alpha male i don't know if that's the but he he respected this dude this dude had a girlfriend However, this dude was definitely also into me, and he was a lot gentler when he was with me. Uh, and so in my coping with trauma brain, I was like, if I hang out with this dude, abuser will leave me alone. <laughs> so I basically made out with this guy a bunch, because when I was with that guy, he was at least gentle with me, and my abuser was not abusing me. So I did help this guy cheat on his girlfriend, essentially. And I felt... So bad. So the guy, his girlfriend was our neighbor in the town we lived in, and she had dogs. And I used to go over because their backyard, like parallel to our backyard, and I used to go over and apologize to her dogs. Like I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to hurt you, but like this was just me coping and trying to survive. Like I'm so sorry that as a men are trash uh i was put in a position where my best option was to help your boyfriend cheat on you and that sucks ah i had a yeah. lot of therapy over this <laughs> yeah i had i don't know this is kind of related to stuff i've seen on poly pages but like i just don't get it when like and maybe we've talked about this before but it's like okay say there's a heterosexual couple man and woman man cheats with another woman I don't get why the woman would be mad at the other woman. A, if the other woman did not know that that man was in a relationship, but even if, but even if the woman did know, it's like, yeah, that's kind of a shitty thing. But like, I don't know, like say you and I were monogamous alternate universe. I had a, <laughs> I had a, partner that partner cheated on me with you like i can see how i would be mad at you because yes you did lie to me but also like you like we're we weren't in the relation like the partner was the person who did the shitty thing and like right. obviously there are lots of nuanced situations but like i just don't like your partner cheated on you with a person right. that person did not cheat on you i don't know right 
Yeah, I, I think often the anger is misdirected because you don't want to be angry at your partner, but like that really mm-hmm. is That's the person fair. who did the wrong. Yeah, often the anger is misdirected. And often the third party doesn't even know that they helped cheat. Like I, I'm trying to think if I've ever had this situation, but I've definitely had friends who um, hooked up with somebody and then later found out that that person had a partner they were monogamous with. And it's like, that's not the my friend's fault. Like they didn't know. But often the partner who was cheated on is mad at that third party who it's like, they did nothing wrong. They didn't know that your partner was in a committed relationship with you. Like it is truly your partner who committed the wrong. Your anger is misdirected. Yeah. Leah and I were just, um, <laughs> I've probably talked about this before, but we watched both seasons of Are You the One, which is a reality dating show on Netflix. And then we went on Hulu and they have like seasons three through six. So we started a season three and it's just, I don't know, it is just mindless television, but also just like a wild social experiment to like see happen. Cause it's so hilarious because like I've explained it before, but the premise is like there's 10 men, 10 women. And through a matching process, the show has like picked their perfect matches for them, but they don't know whose matches who and their game is like, they have to figure out whose matches who and if they do, then they win money. And so it's just so hilarious because like the only way you can know for certain if someone is your match is if you go into the truth booth, which like one couple gets to go in per week. And if you go into the oh, truth yeah. booth, then like it reveals if you're a match or not. And so it's just so hilarious because one guy like kissed a girl on the first day and then like kissed another girl. And the first girl was like so upset about it. And it's like... <sighs> I don't know. It's just like, it's so, I feel like a problem with monogamy is that there are like unspoken assumptions that like, okay, okay, here's the thing. Okay. I think a thing that can happen in monogamy culture that happens less in polyamory culture is like assumptions about relationships. Cause like, obviously this woman was like, Oh, we kissed. You shouldn't go kiss anyone else. Whereas the guy was like, I just met you and the point of this game is to like figure out who's my match and I have no clue if you're my match. Whereas I think in polyamory, even though it is more difficult to like have those conversations, like it can be much more clearing and clarifying about like what this relationship actually means to us. Well, and yeah, it's, I think more of what you're talking about is relationship anarchy, but I think a lot of it is just because because polyamory is a newer thing and we're making it up as we go along, you know, we are more prone to set our boundaries and state things explicitly because there is no unwritten script for us. Whereas with monogamy, at least in the culture we were raised in, is a very standard social script. So there are a lot of assumptions people make because most people do things in the exact same vanilla way so yeah they a lot of people assume they don't need to set out their boundaries and rules because this is just the way things work when it's like no it's it's good to still state things explicitly because not everybody thinks the same things about the way things should and do work yeah yeah this is actually related to what i wanted to talk about because um danny and i also kind of got into a fight recently on your thing which this always scares me because danny reminds me so much of my friend river who was my best friend yeah. for five years and then we had a big friend breakup and i've always said i'm so nervous you and danny yeah. are gonna have the same thing happen that me and river had yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, and it kind of had those vibes. I don't know. It's also difficult because literally the major I've said this before, but the majority of our relationship, we have not been in person. Like we right. met at the end of my 
high school career. And so we spent like a summer together and then I went off to college and completely across the country. And so like, I've seen him like for a couple of weeks, like over winter break and then at the beginning and end of summer break, the majority of our communication has been not in person. And like, that can just be difficult at times. So I called him yesterday. And so I was shopping while I was calling him. So that might've been part of the issue because like, part of my brain was like also like trying to be like, where are the tomatoes? Because our grocery store is organized literally the worst that any grocery store has ever been organized. But anyway, so I like got on the phone with Danny and I was like, he, he asked, he's like, oh, like, how are you and Leah doing? And I was like, oh, I think we're doing better. Like I apologized and we talked and like, I think we're doing better. And so then it's a bit, I'm not sure how we got to this point or like verbatim what was said, but what I came away with was he said something along the lines of, I think you over intellectualize and make theories in order to like get out of like actually falling in love with someone. What I took away from that was he thinks I am incapable of love. And then he said some I wouldn't say incapable. I would say maybe you do overthink things to avoid them, but I don't think that means you're incapable. Um (laughs) and then he but then he also said something with like he was like you don't he he asked he was asking he was like well like do you want to be with Leah? Like, do you want to be in a relationship with her? Like, are you willing to make large life decisions around her? Because if you're not, then like, this is, okay, I'm paraphrasing. So like, I'm not saying this is verbatim what he said, but this is what I took away from it. So then he was, because like, if you're not willing to do that, like, you don't really love her. And like, you don't want to like, actually like be with her. So he, so he like, again, so this is what I took away from the conversation. And like, I was in the middle of, the grocery store trying to figure out where the peanut butter was and like trying to have this very deep conversation that I was not expecting to have. And so I think I just like gave very minimal and like poor responses. And he was like, okay, I'm just going to go eat. And so he hung up. So like, it was a very abrupt end to the call. And so then I essentially went home and like cried for an hour because I was like, because like I take criticism very deeply and also it was from Danny who's like one of my closest friends and the criticism was that I'm hurting Leah who is another person who I'm very close to so I just cried for an hour and Leah comforted me well I think it comes (laughs) down to like how different people define love differently because like I think it sounds like to Danny, loving somebody means making gigantic sacrifices for them and being willing to build your life around them. And like, for me, not all love is that big, right? Like you can love somebody and not like build your whole life around them. Like that's fine. (laughs) Yeah. So I called him back today. Like I I spent yesterday to decompress and to process because I also kind of went to a spiral of like, maybe like polyamory is, well, A, maybe polyamory is all bullshit and it is an excuse to be a bad person. B, maybe polyamory is fine and I'm just doing it very poorly. So I had to dig myself out of those holes. But so I called him back today and we like hashed things out. And I think it essentially was that he admitted he was like, I was trying to give you like advice, but I think my advice was like, he didn't use these words, but he was like, my advice was much more like, normative and like monogamistic. So I recognize like that's not how you operate. And in doing that, he did, I think, 
don't know. Like we've discussed extent, like I've discussed polyamory extensively with him and still not sure he like, he obviously does not identify as it. And I'm not sure how he feels about me identifying as it. So I think there was a little bit of that, but then also, yeah. So, I mean, he kind of was like, yeah, I think my advice, like the advice I was trying to give was like, not good for you because like you operate very differently. And I was like, yeah. Cause I think what you were saying, Liz with like, I don't know. Cause he basically made me like what I took away from our first conversation was he was like, you do not love slash care about Leah because you do not do these things. And I was like, I mean, there are a lot of people who like I love and care about that. Like, I don't know, just because I don't want to do a certain thing with a person to me, like does not mean I do not care about them, which I do think is a bit of an, a mononormative bias. And then, so yeah, I don't know. It was just kind of like similar to what happened with that therapist the one time where they were like, polyamory is just people who are confused about their emotions. We all, I mean, even monogamous people, like everybody's confused about their emotions. Yeah. Emotions are fucking weird. Emotions are crazy. Like, <laughs> uh, I'm talking know. about I... like random boners the other episode. Like, hormones <laughs> are nuts. Like, we don't, I don't know what causes things. Emotions are weird. Yeah, I don't know. I just had to like spend yesterday being like coming to terms with like I do do I do relationships and love and stuff differently, but that does not mean that I am invalid. And so I kind of just had to dig myself out of that hole. But then for the second thing, which was there was kind of like an attack on polyamory and an attack on what just kind of how I approach love, which he was like, you do create a lot of theories and like, maybe that gets in the way of you falling in love. Maybe not. Maybe you just experience it differently. So I think that was coming at of like, yes, I do like theories if this podcast has taught you anything, but I think also it was coming back to like, is Jen a romantic? I don't know. Do I really follow a lot of like what traditional romance is supposed to be? No. Do I kind of not understand it at all? No. So I don't know. Then there was another identity crisis of like, am I a romantic or am I broken or <laughs> am I fine or uh, am I valid or <laughs> so? Yes. So yesterday was, am I queer or am I broken? <laughs> Endless struggle we all endure. <laughs> yeah. So yesterday was rough, but we called again today and he was like, yeah, no, I think I said some things that, didn't come across right. And I was like, well, I think I also probably wasn't fully mentally present enough for what you were wanting to talk about. Yeah, that was River and I's downfall. Because in the argument River and I had that ended our friendship, I was at a party and I was only half paying attention to the conversation because I didn't deem it as terribly important because we were talking about a television show. (laughs) And I was like, this is an immaterial argument we are having, so I will have it on the side. And so I did not pick pick up on the cues that he was getting very emotional until it was too late. And so, yeah, our, our tragic, my tragic mistake <laughs> in the argument that ended our friendship was I was multitasking and did not realize until it was too late that he had been offended beyond repair. Yeah. And so what, I don't know, what, what we were talking about, it maybe, which is my second bullet point, which maybe doesn't make enough, enough a lot of sense, but it's like 
toxic altruism, which is like the term I came up with. I don't know if it perfectly describes it, what I'm thinking, but I think making up words, (laughs) but I think part of the thing that like don't super resonate with me with like a mononormative relationships or like specifically romance is like, Danny was like, Oh, like you're not willing to like, stay in your because like I don't know we were talking about how I was like I mean like I care about Leah but like I'm moving into the first stages of my career and she's still in school so like it's just going to be really hard and he's like well if you're not willing to like you know stay by campus and like you know take some part-time job just so you can be with her then like you don't really care about her and like no (laughs) like I care about her but like I I don't know I just feel like that's I don't know, that doesn't have to be how I express my care for her. And like, I feel like part of a modern normative and romantic relationships is like, you just have to give up everything for this person and they have to be your world and you have to be willing to do anything for them. And it's like, I have people I would care about and like do a lot for them, but also like I am my own person and like, you know, just because I care about you doesn't mean I'm going to drop everything for you. And like, maybe right. that makes me a terrible person. But like, I don't know. No. I just I've never felt that way. Yeah, I do think a big part of the amount normative narrative is like this concept of like, oh, isn't it beautiful when people sacrifice like their entire life plan to be with another person? And it's like, I mean, <laughs> ooh, I don't know if I like that. Like, I don't why are we encouraging people to sacrifice their personal authenticity so that they can not be single? Like, I don't, I'd rather be my authentic self than totally sacrifice that just for the sake of having a partner, you know? Yeah. And if somebody else makes the opposite choice, like that's fine. And like, I think it can be really beautiful when you change your life plans because you love somebody so much. Like that's cool. But I don't think that should, I don't think it should be seen as bad when people don't do that. Right. Like I think both options should be seen as valid. Like I don't want to vilify people who do make sacrifices for love. That's cool. But I also don't want to vilify people who don't make big sacrifices for love. Like that's also cool. You can do your own thing and not be a bad guy. I think, I think also something Danny was saying, he was like, like from a, like he, he is very monogamous. And so from the monogamous perspective it's like if you're if you don't feel that for this person then you should obviously have no romantic relationship with them whatsoever because like you know you should only be with the one whoever that is and so for me it's like i don't know it's like a i don't know if i'll ever feel that way about someone but b like just because like it's not the deepest and truest and purest and longest lasting love ever doesn't mean that like what we have is invalid either yes so yeah i don't know (laughs) danny and i obviously have very different approaches and philosophies on relationships so that's just a a boundary both are valid you are not invalid because you are not following the standard societal and modern normative script it just feels like it sometimes. I know. It's easy to feel <laughs> invalidated, especially as a queer person, because everybody's doing different stuff than you. And society <laughs> does tell you that you're wrong because you're not doing what's prescribed. <laughs> but it's not you that's wrong. It's society. Yeah. Fuck the patriarchy. Fuck the oh, patriarchy. patriarchy. Yeah. Speaking of the patriarchy, <laughs> my friend Will and I had a very fun discussion today about men and I wanted to share it to you because it was really interesting how it went it went in a very (laughs) unexpected direction so I will occasionally say things like ah fucking men and you know stuff like that and I personally have mixed feelings about whether 
those are helpful or hurtful things to say because like you know like male culture i definitely do think male culture is toxic but like there are definitely some quality genuine men so like obviously so anyway so what happened was my friend will sent me this tiktok and it was something related to bachelor party culture and it was something about how like crazy bachelor parties get and my friend will is a very like stereotypical frat bro i think he was raised fairly conservative but he he is one of my long-term occasional long distance lovers that i have we've been sleeping together for oh god i don't even know actually the first time i slept with him was one when we took that road trip to pick you up from school and he was on the way and i stopped and slept with him do you remember oh, that that's right yeah, yeah. i like yeah. stayed so, in your one friends and then like yeah, you, you went stayed off. with okay. one friends and i went and slept with him <laughs> overnight <laughs> um, anyway so we've been long-term occasional lovers for forever so i think he was raised fairly conservative and he he was in a fraternity in college very standard white boy but then he met me and i convert all of my friends to liberalism anyway um, so he sent me this tiktok about like frat parties or something and or not frat party, bachelor parties and so i responded and i said male culture is terrifying and he got like super offended and was like no this isn't male culture like basically hashtag not all men was his response <laughs> and i was like bro i have taught you better than this and so we had a conversation and what was really interesting in the course of the argument was we circled to a point where basically he was saying when men are terrible it's not because of male culture it's because men are inherently terrible. And I was like, what? And he was like, yes, take. I believe all men are just like bad people, basically. And culture is the only thing keeping them from just raping and murdering and pillaging and being awful. And I was like, so the reason you were offended when I said male culture is terrifying is because you think male culture is the only thing standing in the way of men actually being terrible. And he was like, yeah, he's like, I think culture and society like prevents men from being awful, but men are all naturally terrible. And I was like, that's a super depressing take. Interesting, interesting, interesting. But at the end of the day, like you do agree that like, you know, big group of big groups of men are like definitely dangerous and like men are kind of scary and he was like oh yeah absolutely but he's like it's because the men themselves are bad and i was thinking and i was like i think you know from a practical standpoint will and i's difference in opinion is immaterial right because we yeah. both agree that like men men are scary but the difference in our viewpoints is will saying that men are inherently terrifying means we're all you know stuck there's not much we can do like we can build up as many barriers in society as we can but men are always going to be terrible my viewpoint of like it's not the inherent men it's the culture they were raised in that encouraged them to be this way is a little more optimistic because in my viewpoint like if we change the culture we can get through this like if we stop raising men to you know believe that violence is okay and encourage them to suppress their emotions and objectify women and stuff like if we change the culture we'll be okay whereas will's view was like we need as much culture as we can to get in the way of this but like men are always going to be monsters and no. i was like this is not where i expected this conversation to go because when you said hashtag not all men i thought you were going to argue to me that like not all men are terrible when he was actually arguing yes all men are terrible it's culture that's good and i was like that is 
the opposite of what I believe. I, I was gonna say, what was he like? I'm confused of the, the like. What was he defending? So I don't. I think he might have argued himself into a circle. Is what yeah, might I was have happened. Say, I'm not quite sure what very happened. Good. Here. <laughs> I'm very, very good at arguing. Like I would have been an excellent lawyer. And I think part of what happened is he started with his whole hashtag not all men. And then I logicked him out of, like, you know, believing all men are good. And so the only corner he had left was all men are bad. And so he went there so that he wouldn't be wrong. And I was like, okay. Well, I mean, it sounded like it sounded like he sent you a thing. You were like, culture is bad. And yes. his argument is, no, the culture is good. Yes. Men are bad. Correct. That's that so was interesting. It was very interesting and not at all where I expected it to go. Because at the beginning of the argument, when he was upset at me for saying male culture is terrifying, and he, he was defending men, but then I basically pointed out, like, no, men are, men are trash. <laughs> and so then it came down to, like, my comment was actually saying culture is bad. So the only way he could disagree is to say it's not the culture, it's the men. So that's what he did. And I was like, huh. That um, that, <laughs> that reminds me. I I don't remember why, but a while ago, Danny and I were talking about something, and he was like the Phantom of the Opera musical, which I think it was actually originally a book back in the OG. But anyway, might have been the musical is like an example of how like men view their sexualities as like these kind of monstrous things. Mm. Do you watch um, Big Mouth on Netflix? No. You should absolutely watch Big Mouth on Netflix. You would fucking okay. love it. Will actually also watches it and we talk about it a lot because it's a fantastic fucking show. But in <laughs> it, it's about going through puberty and all of the teenagers, both the boys and the girls, have hormone monsters that accompany them. And it's basically what you're saying, but it's like personified in a cartoon. It's a really good show. You should watch it. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember what we were talking about, but it's just like how the male sexuality is always care. It tends to be always characterized as like, you know, this kind of attacking monstrous thing that like, in some cases, like women need to be like protected from. And like, it's just kind of this thing that like, I don't know if it's a thing with like, Oh, they can't control it. Maybe is like an aspect of it, but it's like, I don't know. Like my opinion is not of wills where I do not think men are inherently evil. I do think that social constructs are, not setting them up for success but it's like that is kind of depressing to think of like men just think if men do think of their sexuality as this is like monstrous things it's like no it doesn't has have to be like i think a lot of the times it is but it doesn't have to be i want to read you a few quotes from our text conversation because it was really interesting so one of the things he said was some of the reason why men are terrifying is because they are men the general programming of men makes us more likely to be violent and so i said so you are blaming the individual men not the culture so like men are naturally 
naturally violent, whereas I think society encourages that behavior. So the crux of our argument was like nature versus nurture. Like he was saying men are naturally violent. I was saying men are raised in a culture that encourages and like allows, makes violence acceptable. Yeah. Um, And maybe it's the the conclusion we kind of came to is like, maybe it's a combination of the two and like, maybe men are born a little inherently more violent, but like they're definitely raised in a culture that like, and allows that and does not punish it enough in certain instances. My um, opinion is obviously that post-agricultural society is designed for <laughs> men to be bad. Thing. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the, it was really interesting because I see culture as part of what allows men to be monsters in a lot of situations. And he sees culture as the only thing preventing men from being terrible all the time. Mm. Cause he was like, if we didn't have any sort of civilized society, men would just be out raping and murdering all the time. Mm. And I don't know. I mean, maybe like pre-society was, I mean, I think you've talked about this though, that like actually pre-society, there was not all that much violence. Like people think there was, but there really wasn't, according to archaeologists. He called it the the author of Sexodon called it Flintstoneization, and like projecting modern society on prehistoric society. And like mm-hmm. when like Darwin was alive, like life kind of sucked because he lived in this like pre like post agricultural like very badly developed society. And so like people were just like, oh, well, if it's bad now, it must have been so much worse back then because we're so highly developed and stuff. Uh-huh. But like there's very little archaeological evidence to like support a violence and be like quality of life based on remains looks like it was pretty good. So, I mean, I think that all the violence people think about is post agriculture, like still a long time ago, but post agriculture. Yeah. I, I don't think I buy that men are naturally more violent, especially if one of the research projects I did when I was an undergrad was we studied infant behavior. Well, not so infants interacting with their caretakers and the behavior of the caretaker based on the gender they thought the infant was. And we showed in our study and other studies have shown other, wow, what? I can't talk. Other studies have shown (laughs) that caretakers treat infants differently based on what gender they presume they are. And male infants are encouraged to be more autonomous, be more aggressive. Um, They're encouraged to walk sooner. Whereas female infants, people are like, oh, you're so sweet. You're so like, you know, feminine and nurturing Mm -hmm. and whatever. So I really do think a lot of it is culture. Like I am a big proponent of like, like there is some innate things people are born with like i think sexuality is largely not a choice although even sexuality i think for some people can be molded a bit by their environment but there are some things that are inherent for sure but i think a lot of who we are is because of our culture like i am a big nurture counts a lot more than nature advocate but it is both at the end of the day yeah i mean i remember the story mom told where um when her mother came to see when our brother billy was born she like picked him up and was like, oh, you little toughie. And then she like looked at my mom and was like, I have never called any child like a toughie before. <laughs> like, <laughs> what am I doing? The gender, norms, the gender norms have gotten to me. Yeah. But you mentioning arguing reminded me a, a couple of episodes. You mentioned that you messaged this woman who was like saying, oh, I'm oh, yeah. promoting these shaving razors because like they empower women. 
So I'm curious we if did, they followed okay. up. We actually, I'm glad, I forgot about that, but I'm glad you brought it up because we had a really good conversation. I'm going to see if I can find it. So basically what happened is I have a friend from college who was a lovely, lovely liberal lady who started working for this company that she does like marketing and advertising for. And she, so she like promotes this company stuff. And one of the things that she had posted was about their brand mission was to normalize female face shaving. So a lot of women will shave like the, the fair hair in their upper lip and, and stuff like that. So they were like, we want to normalize female face shaving, which is fine. But then they said part of it was like this feminist thing of like, we want to normalize that like body hair exists and that's okay. And I was like, mm-hmm. If you're it's hard saying to do that as a razor company. <laughs> yeah, I was like, if you're saying body hair exists and it's fine, you also need to have like present the option of not shaving as acceptable. Especially like you since also need razor to say, companies razor companies literally invented women yeah, shaving their body hair right, in order to right, sell more razors. Right, like they like right. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> So when uh, when my friend posted this, I was like, I have to talk to her about this because this is like the opposite of everything we were taught in our liberal Haven college. So I messaged her, I'm just gonna read you what I said. I said, Hey, genuine question about your company. How does normalizing female face shaving also normalize having hair? Doesn't encouraging women to shave their face kind of normalize getting rid of body hair? I haven't shaved any hair on my body except my armpits because they're smelly, lol, for almost a decade now, and I would love to see more companies encouraging that choice for women, even if they don't profit from it. Obviously, women should be free to choose to shave whatever they want, and face shaving shouldn't be shamed, but I don't feel like there's as big of a stigma made around female face shaving as there is around females who don't shave their legs or armpits, for example. So I'm curious if your company implements its claim to support women having hair by also supporting women who choose to keep that hair and not shave. And she responded with something fluffy, like, oh, these are great questions. We're thinking about this, yada, yada, yada. And I, I called her out. I'm like, you're being superficial. Like, we're friends from college. Tell me what's going on. And slowly but surely, she was like, look, I just need this job. I agree with everything you're saying. But like, <laughs> yeah. So it was really funny because at the beginning, she tried to like put on face and like, no, no, this is about sustainability and like it's feminist and yada, yada. And I kept being like, but it's not though. If you're telling women like normalizing shaving is not the same or normalizing having body hair is not the same as encouraging women to shave even more hair off of their bodies. Like that is imposing even more norms that cost us more money that capitalism profits from. And eventually she caved and she was like, yeah, corporate sucks. Like this, I have to do this. Cause she, <laughs> she just had a baby and she's like, I need money. Like this, I'm that this is what we're doing. And I was like, that's fair. Like Capitalism. I absolutely respect that you need to pay the bills. <laughs> but like, if you, I basically told her at the end, I was like, if you do have any leeway with these companies to work with what their marketing is, you should absolutely tell them like, this is some bullshit. And like, there's of i mean companies they are the PR. problem razor companies are the problem so yeah, well, but a lot of pr companies have got or a lot of companies have gotten into pr trouble for like claiming to be feminist and very clearly not being because like the pink tax on razors is a big thing where it's yeah. like women pay more money for razors because they're pink and like companies get a lot of flack for that as they should because it's bullshit and <laughs> i basically told my friend i was like this whole normalizing female face shaving has very similar undertones to like, we just want to make money off of women and profit off of their insecurities. Yeah, so I was I like, did. if you have any say with these companies, please like try and change their marketing. I was like, you may not have the leeway and just need to pay the bills and that's fine. Do what you need to do. But like, if you do get a say, please 
try to change this because this is bullshit. Yeah. I, I I just saw a commercial today for Venus uh, razors and they did, they showed the woman shaving her legs, but then they also showed her shaving her head because she was like bald. And so it was like, I mean, I was like, that's cool. Like I, your company is still a fraud and based on everything that I disagree with, but like, cool that you showed her shaving her head, like kind of good, but like not enough. Like none of this Baby will ever be steps. enough, but like, cool. Baby steps. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things, Oh, I forgot about this. One of the things she asked for like specific feedback and I was like, I have specific feedback. I don't think she thought I would, but I did. Cause I had looked at their company website. I had done my research before I messaged her. Um, so I said, there's a tag on your website that says face shaving is the best way to achieve a natural flawless complexion this implies face hair is a flaw so if you, your company truly wants to promote the choice of having hair that sort of language has gotta go and she was like yeah, yeah that's valid <laughs> i was like at the very least if you get a say in marketing get rid of that yeah there was this um tiktoker who i follow who was like a female like assigned female at birth who like has a full like beard because you know like that happens like in the genetic variety like that happens and like all women have facial hair and like blah and she was like yeah like i got teased yeah and she was like i got teased for it a lot (laughs) but like now i just kind of wear it fully and like like honestly she looked dope with it and she was like and some guys are like like yeah respect for like the beard you got and it's like that is normalizing facial hair not oh i shave my facial hair it's like it's normalizing getting rid of facial hair like that's not normalizing having it that's also going out into the world having shaved everything doesn't normalize having hair because those people don't know that the hair was there like their argument was like oh because we're normalizing shaving we're normalizing the fact that like having it is normal and it's like only for people who know that you're shaving it for everyone else they just think oh this woman doesn't grow hair on her face which mammals grow hair all over (laughs) it is a normal part it regulates body temperature and like helps you detect danger slightly before it touches. Like hair is a useful thing to have. Like <laughs> getting rid of it is not necessarily a good thing. I do respect the choice for women who choose to make it. Smooth legs do feel kind of cool sometimes. Personally, my hair grows too fast for that yeah. to be worth it. But for a lot of women who are like, I love the feel of silky sheets on my smooth legs. Cool. Have at it. Great. Love it. But also stop fucking shaming me for not doing it because (laughs) I hate shaving my legs. I get cuts all over, even with the fancy great razors. Like I don't like it. Don't. Also, I've said this before, but like, I really do think genuinely having a beard would be really cool. Like (laughs) if I could grow a beard, I would. And I don't want to have to take all of the hormones I would have to take to be able to do that. But if I could just like snap my fingers and grow a beard. I think you look good with a beard too. I do too. Right. Like I think, (laughs) I think I could rock a beard. I, I've said this before, but like when Billy is jealous at me because um, I got into a really good school that he wanted to get into that he didn't. And he was like, you just got in because you wrote your essay about not shaving. And he was like, I don't shave and I don't get any, I don't get any credit what for it. Well, no, that's the thing. He was like, but, and he was, I forget what he said. He's, but like what he, when he said that he was essentially, what it made me think of is like, when I did it, like I've said this before, like it wasn't super a choice for me. Like sometimes I like get an idea in my head and I have to do it and I can't do anything else. Also along those lines, it's like, there's a lot of women who like honestly would not like the look of like not having shaved armpits and legs. And like, is that completely societally based? 
in the majority opinion, yes. <laughs> because, like, obviously, like, in the scan and the spectrum of preferences, like, there would be some people who didn't like it. But, like, in society, I'm guessing the majority of us would keep our body hair because that's just how we are. It's so much easier. It's literally, it's, women spend so much time shaving <laughs> their legs. I can't even, yeah, so no. much time. Yeah. But, like, but like I don't know. People would always say, like, oh, like, Jen, like, you're so brave. And, like, I don't know. Like, it was scary at the beginning. But also, like, I don't know. I liked it so much that I didn't care that it was scary. And so what I'm trying to get at is that, like, I do that like, I don't shave my legs or armpits because I don't care about the look. And also, it's just way too much time. But what I do want to admit to my hypocrisy is that I do bleach my mustache because I don't particularly like how it looks. I don't know if, like, if it was an actual full one, if it would look fine. But, like, I don't know, just, like, how it's, like, slightly darker. I don't like the look of it, so I do bleach it. And is that a societal norm? Probably, yes. I'll admit I, sus- I, I am susceptible to that. But I don't, but that, in that case, it's like, yeah, I don't love the look at it. And like, yes, that's probably completely societal based. Maybe I just don't have the courage to not do it at this point, but we're here about open eyes communication. So I just want to be upfront about my hypocrisy. <laughs> so <laughs> I, don't think that's, I don't think that's hypocritical necessarily. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think some of it is societally based for sure, but I do think even in the absence of societal pressure, some women might choose to shave. Like some women yes. might genuinely like how it feels. So like, yes. I mean, that's fine. And in that universe, I, think- I imagine it would be much more of like, you know, there are some men who like it. There are some women who like it. Right. There are some non-binaries who like it. Yeah. Like some people like it, but I, it's not my, done at a mass scale because of societal pressure. Specifically by one demographic. Daddy, who we've talked about before and is a lovely human. My sugar daddy, when I talk to him about why I didn't shave my legs. I do shave my armpits because it takes me five seconds. And if I don't shave my armpits, I think they smell really bad. So I, I was explaining to my sugar daddy, he's not my sugar daddy anymore, but he wasn't. The time. <laughs> it's not as bad as it sounds. If you haven't, I don't remember what episode, but go listen to that episode. It's not what you're thinking of. If you don't, <laughs> if we haven't heard the story before. Anyway, when I was explaining to my sugar daddy, my thought process of like why I don't shave my legs, but I do shave my armpits. He was like, that actually makes a lot of sense. I think I might start shaving my armpits because like my armpits do smell and it would be really easy to just shave them really quick. And he bikes a lot. So he gets really sweaty. So he actually did start shaving his armpits because he was Whoa. like, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, it was, I was like, ah, I feel like this is such a feminist thing. And he, he still does it to this day. That was like three years Damn. ago. I told him this and he was like, yeah, this actually makes a lot of sense. It is practical for me to shave my armpits it takes two seconds and now i don't smell that damn okay yeah see that's what i'm talking about it should it's fine if you do want to do it for your own good reasons if you have thought them through which is the same thing with like monogamy if you are monogamous cool but be it because you chose it not because that's just the societal default finn (laughs) finn Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, subscribe and leave us a review on your podcast app. If you really like us, like, like, like us, send this episode to a friend, family member, partner, your boss, anyone else in your social circle, the people you want to convert to polyamory, start a conversation. Feel free to send us any comments or questions over social media. So thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.